This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Okay, before we get into this episode with the Bear Whisperer, Blaine Anthony, I want to take a quick minute and talk about SEI. BC's Interior Chapter of SEI has been awarded Rookie Chapter of the Year and SEI Chapter of the Year. Two huge acknowledgements for this club. The work this organization is doing not only for this province, but as a representation for hunters worldwide, is getting significant recognition. If you guys hunt and you live in BC, you need to get over to www.bcinteriorsci.ca. Click on that membership tab and join them today. Okay, I know I said a quick minute, but I got to give a quick shout out to Vortex Canada. Not only because they sponsor the show, but uh, I just love their products. I just picked up the new Vortex Razor 22x48 spotter. The clarity on this thing is insane. I was messing around with this thing in my backyard yesterday and I was just blown away by how bright and clear it was. You know, I, I know it costs damn near an arm and a leg, but you know, with their unmatched VIP warranty, you never have to worry about this thing. Just don't lose it. I can't wait to get this thing out in the field this year. You know, glass and caribou, which is uh, something we'll get into later on down the road. But anyways, uh, let's get into this conversation with Blaine here. Well, this sucks. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good. Good. It looks like quite the setup you got over there. Pretty yeah, comfy. It's, yeah, it's comfy. I got to get comfy. I'm old, man. Old. Easy. Not that old. <laughs> Blaine, maybe you can uh, give the people the lowdown on who you are. Um, Basically, I'm a TV guy. <laughs> and I say that like facetiously because I always I always say and I'll, I'll always continue to say that the best like hunters I know um, they don't want any part of a video camera period. So I, I just, I, there's a thin line. uh, There's a huge line. I actually should say between TV guys and hunters. Right. So I, I, the, again, the best hunters I know 
won't have anything to do with TV or video cameras. Um, and when I, when I hold film schools and stuff like that, I always say, you know, Hey, if you want to be, if you want to go hunting, don't do TV. Cause that's like seven or 8% of everything you're going to do. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, it's, is kind of like what I do for a living. I mean, we edit a lot of t- other TV shows, um, on, on, wild tv and and sportsman channel outdoor channel pursuit channel um but for the most part this is kind of what i do for a living and i'm in the bears which has been really hard since y'all closed your country to me coming in i've been trying to get a waiver queen ain't having it so (laughs) uh, but uh yeah it's been super rough it's this year uh when you watch the bear whisper i promise instead of a lot of Canada and bears, you're going to see a lot of Texas and deer, um, just cause we got no choice. Um, there's, you know, there's places to hunt bear, but, uh, you know, there's just, there's nothing like Canada period, yeah. like big old period. I don't even, I, I, I harvested a bear in Maine this, this year. And this is the first time in I think 12 years since I've even shot a bear in my home state, even hunted a bear in my home state. Um, just because Canada was closed. So the poor bear population in the United States. But think of the awesome bears in Canada when those borders open. It's going to be nuts. There's a handful of bears here. You might have to uh, stay away from BC, though. They're uh, Right now, they're trying to shut down the black bear hunt up here. So What? Yeah, that's the new one. They took the grizzly away from us in 2017 there. Now they're... There's a whole list of them right now. There's uh, black bear, cougar, uh, wolf, elk, uh, sheep. So that's uh, crazy, man, especially for a bear, because bears, here's what happens when they, if you're listening, if you're listening, if you do that, what's going to happen is, is the majestic, awesome black bear that's currently being hunted for conservation efforts are going to turn into big black rats with short tails. And I promise that's what will happen. And they'll be trapping them. They'll be paying people to kill them because they'll be in everybody's garbage cans. Um, it'll it'll turn into a madhouse. So you're you're going to elect to have bears starve in the woods rather than using a natural resource. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It it's yeah, it's nuts. But I mean, the sh- the stuff we have going up up here in BC is just would blow your mind if you if you knew all the ins and outs of it. It's just uh, oh, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. So, uh, how long you been hunting for? Um, I have been hunting probably not for as long as people think. I'm thinking maybe like 30, 32 years, something like that. Uh, my backstory is kind of funny. Um, unlike most people you know, especially on hunting television, it's, you know, I grew up with my granddad taking me in the field or my dad taking me in the field. I didn't have none of that. And I mean, none. So I didn't even, uh, the first time I hunted, I was 23 years old. First time I ever put orange on and, and went hunting. And that was because I lost the Texas Hold'em bet. I didn't even want to do it. And the guy, I couldn't cover a bet. The guy said, I'll tell you what, if you lose, really long story short, but if you lose, you got to go hunting with me. Um, if, That's my kind of I bet. Win, yeah. Well, at the time, it, that I would have rather have lost the money. 
you know what I mean? Than than to than to have to go hunting. I was I was one of those guys that was like, why would you want to kill one of those things? And um, I had to go hunting. Uh, ended up shooting a deer. You know, I looked up this mountain and there was uh there was deer up there. It was just a doe, but man, I pulled that trigger and it was the exact same feeling as catching the winning touchdown in high school. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I, I wish it was all on camera. Cause I, we had the deer, we had it all gutted out. And uh, my brother-in-law goes, so what do you think, man? And I looked him straight in the eyes and said, I'm going to figure out how to make a living doing this. Nice. And uh, yeah, then 2002, I signed my first contract with the sportsman's channel and uh the rest, the rest was history with my little $299 Walmart camera. I was off to the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I did some digging into you there and I, I came up with the uh, main safari hunting adventures. The very first show, the very first show. It probably would have stayed main safari hunting adventures for years, but I won't men mention them. Um, but there's a, a huge manufacturer. They still exist today, but um, they said, look, we, we want to sponsor your show. It's it, you're so funny and the awesome stuff you guys are doing, making fun of gold mining and all the other stuff that was kind of out at the time. It was only 90 TV shows back then. There's over 600 now. Um, and uh, they said, we just hate the name. It's too regionalized Maine. And so uh, I talked to my buddy Jake over at the sportsman channel. He's still there to, to this day. And he said, Call it North American Safari. And I went, bam, that's what we're going to call it. So two years after I started, I changed it to North American Safari. The, I guess the moral of the story is, is that that manufacturer never sponsored my show after I changed the name. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, but yeah, main safari was it. I had a little bear and yeah, yeah. So what did you do oh. before you got into uh, hunting on TV? I was pretty much a straight up city boy. I mean, straight up, right out of New Jersey. Um, I was running uh, furniture and and floor covering st uh, stores in Virginia, Washington, D.C., and Maryland and Delaware. I was a district manager, suit wearing, company car driving. Um, that's pretty much what I did. And then I started working for Dale Carnegie. Um, then I came and visited Maine, where my whole family is from. And I was a military brat, so uh, we traveled all over the place. You know, every two years we had to, you know, uproot and go because um, my dad was in the army and came and visited Maine and never left. The rest is history from there. Well, looking at you now, you'd never be able to tell that. I was uh, I was checking out your Cribs video. It's a pretty neat spot you got there in the bush. Yeah, no, no. See, you didn't watch it to the end. That's the problem. Not my house. I wish. Oh. <laughs> My buddy, who actually owns that house, comes in and goes, what are you doing in my house? I'm like, hey, you gave me the keys. <laughs> We're doing a crib video. So, yeah. Uh, I get it. I get it. That's where it ended there. There was a guy knocking on the door, and then, uh, and then it shut off. So maybe that was the... Uh... Really? Ah, I got to get that fixed. Maybe it timed out or something. I never even looked at it. But it's funny because I did notice some comments like, you're a, nar you're a narcissist and... I'm like, dude, the whole thing was a joke. Watch it to the end. Like it wasn't not my house, not my cars, not anything. So yeah, no, I, I gotta, I gotta do something about that. I didn't know that. Uh, that's a sweet spot anyway. 
Yeah, oh yeah, it's beautiful, man. Beautiful up there. I've been over there a few times. That was one of them making that video. You said you host uh, film school. Where did you learn to do all that stuff? Editing and I would say I, I did it the hard way. Honestly, you know, I didn't have you know back then. I I think it was eighty seven of us on TV, literally um, eighty seven of us on TV. So there wasn't this big wealth of knowledge and help and. There was no, you know, back in 2002, there was no like epic Heartland Bowhunter stuff. And um, as a matter of fact, back then, I used to watch Jason Brown, um, who used to have a company called Rack Focus. And now he's with the Keeper Brothers that does Dropped and those type of shows. Um, and I used to watch his stuff and be like, man, that guy's a genius. I'm just going to copy everything he's doing. Um, Jason knows I did that. So uh turns out i couldn't because you know come to find out the magic really happens in the field and with the personalities the editing is you know there's no if you don't film it you can't make it it's it's just that simple so um but yeah i mean that 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 was pretty much it I, my first paid gig was with a way outdoors um they were on the outdoor channel way back then as well and um yeah i just kind of Learned everything the hard way. I mean, I did, you know, the online training thing, still doing training things. I was just training a kid last week, Walker Witt, a um, couple of weeks ago. And and he did training and he was teaching me stuff like, oh, you're that's a that's a long way about doing that. When you're editing, you just hit this button. I'm like, oh, so still learning every single day. Still uh, uh, love it. But I still think probably the best way is just doing it the hard way that the last guy I had worked, I think he worked for me for 14 years, Jeff Osborne. Um, he was four years out of college and that's all he did in college was video editing. And I don't know if that podcast ever made it up, but I mean, he'll tell you that he learned nothing in school. Everything he learned, he learned at nature productions. The The college was a joke. He could have, he could have just got out of high school and started working for me and achieved the exact same thing rather than spending 130,000 on education that did not serve him at all. Not, not in the editing world anyway. So, yep. Yeah. You got a few shows on TV now. What do you got? You got yeah. the Bear Whisper, Hitman. Yeah. And uh, I seen some advertising for another one there, Gorilla Squad. Gorilla Squad. Yeah. I, what's, I don't what's that think, all about? Um, that's basically, so here's the thing about TV, right? And I'm a realist. That's the number one email I get, right? Like you're the, the last real guy on TV. Um, so if you want to be, if you want to start your own TV show and not so much on wild TV or even the sportsman's channel Canada. Um, but if you want to start your own TV show, especially here in the U S it just costs a pile of money. So everybody wants to be pro staff or, or most normal people and smart people got a real job and they just bring a video camera with them when they go hunting, but to be pro staff, I don't think people realize this. So what happens is, is your pro staff, and now you come to me and it's like, yeah, dude, man, you kill some big muleys up in Saskatchewan or whatever. And man, we'd, we'd love to have that footage. Uh, so here's the deal. I need you to buy this gun. I need you to buy this bow, these arrows, these broadheads, this camo, essentially throw all of your hunting gear, all of your hunting gear away and spend four or $5,000 and buy all the stuff that I need to air on the show. Because if you're not using this scope, I can't air your footage. If you're not using this gun, I can't air your footage. If you're not air using this ammo, I can't air your footage. Um, so as a pro staff guy, you're going to spend four grand just trying to get what the TV show is doing. And then the TV show next year, 
switches from this archery company to this archery company. Now you're trying to sell your bow and now you got to buy a brand new one. And it's, it's really a financial hardship on pro staff guys. It really is. If anybody's legit pro staff, they, they can tell you it costs a lot of money. Um, they're all under the illusion that they're going to get just piles of free stuff if they're pro staff. And that's pretty much gone away. Unless you're really an old school guy or you've just been around for five, six, seven years and you're supplying great footage, there isn't many producers and I'm not, and I'm one of them. I'm or not one of them, however you want to say it. I'm not going to just give you free gear and take stuff from a manufacturer when they're going to get nothing back from it. So once someone proves themselves, then I can go to bat for them and say, hey, you need to send him an outdoor edge knife. You need to send him a new bow. You need to send him new arrows. Um, so um, Gorilla Squad is a different system to where, number one, everybody on the Gorilla Squad is pretty much a producer meaning that everybody owns a little piece of this TV show. Um, everybody pays 50 bucks a month in hopes that um, we make enough money to pay for the airtime, pay for closed captioning, pay for all the stuff that we need to go to air. Um, that didn't happen this year. So Blaine had to pay for the rest of it. Um, but what I'm hoping is it'll be the only show on TV that just doesn't have sponsors. Everybody uses what they want to use. Um, yeah. Do they pay 600 bucks a year, 50 bucks a month? Um, yes, they do. It costs money, but it costs a whole lot less money than being a pro staff for another TV show where you got to buy all of this gear. Um, so, and you're using what you want. So when you're, when you're saying this expedition bow or this black Eagle arrows or this Hawk optics is awesome. You mean it because no one's paying you to say it. No one pays anybody on our show to say anything. We don't take sponsors. When you watch the show, it actually says this portion of Gorilla Squad brought to you by no one. And then we go into the commercial break. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of cool in that aspect. And we're finding out, I thought it would be kind of cool. We're finding out that the viewers think it's awesome, right? They're not, it's not an infomercial. There's no reason for anybody to pimp anything unless it just comes out of their mouth anyway. You know, like, look what that rodhead did. Look what this whatever did. Um, unless it just naturally comes out, they're not out there pimping product. They're they're out there just hunting. So typically there's three, four, five hunts per episode because all the pimping isn't there. It's gone. So it's awesome. And yeah. we got some cool people on the show. We got some, we got a guy from Swamp People. We got a, uh, which is on Discovery, American Hoggers, which is on Discovery. Um, so we got some guys like that too. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, man. Sounds like it. Guys just do their own filming and you do part of the editing too, or they just send it to you ready to go. And then you, uh, you take it. From um, there? Yeah, no, we do all the editing, all the closed captioning. So they just basically film and send us the footage and oh, cool. pretty much that's it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's super simple. And so and anyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Yeah. 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 I mean, the only thing we ask is that you're not a, you know, fish and wildlife felon. That's it. Yeah. So um but you know the the yeah it, anyone can do it we got you know honestly most of the guys on the show this year submitted no footage you know they're they're they tried they're learning you yeah. know what i mean they're starting to, they're finding out that 
Oops, the buck wasn't on camera, but I shot him. We got a great photo to put on Facebook, but no, no footage for a TV show. Um, but yeah, they still yeah. love it. Nobody's pressuring them for footage. We don't. And, and you know, this year we didn't get enough footage to do a complete season. We have best of shows because we just didn't get enough footage uh, to do a complete season. So we're definitely actively looking for people. Um, we'd love to actually have a whole crew up in Canada. Um, we got a couple guys up there. Uh, but it'd be cool to get 10 or 15. And that's the other thing about the show. Probably the most important thing about the show is like, I'm not on the show hunting, right? I'll host if the guy doesn't want to host. If, if the crew member wants to start and end the show, it's all, it's all him, right? Like it's, it's, it's about them, but these guys and girls are family, man. Like there's no arrogance. There's no rock stars. There's no, they're just all like, it, it is a very large group that will be, and, you know, we get 10, 15, 20 more people on the crew. We will be a force to be reckoned with. You just can't ignore 40, 50 people on one team, you know, as one voice. You know what I mean? It's, it's, and they're all just so awesome. As a matter of fact, we're all meeting. I'd have to get the exact date, but I think it's like the 18th of this month in Florida and we're all just going to like hang out, have a barbecue and, you know, anybody that can make it, but a lot of people are flying in um, just to do that. And then if people want to shoot alligators or hogs, that'll be there for them too. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a blast. I love that show. Love that show. What about, uh, you got another one there with uh, Tim Silva Hitman. Oh yeah. 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 Big Tim Silva, UFC, former UFC heavyweight champ. Five times. It's, you guys sound like you have a lot of fun on that show. Yeah, we do. I mean, it's uh, me and Tim are old, old friends. Back, actually, the funny part, I still give him crap today back in the day because he's from he's probably 40 minutes up the road where he grew up and went to high school and all that stuff. Um, and I remember I was sitting in a tree in Maine, whitetail hunt, and I'm like, this dude should come hunting with me. How cool would it be to have the UFC heavyweight champ? He was the champ at the time. And I sent him a text. I got his text message. I got his text number and sent him a text. I said, dude, come bear hunting with me and everything. And he's like, yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. Then after that, he totally ghosted me. I'm pretty sure he like blocked my number. He was like, stalker alert, stalker alert. Um, and, you know, today it's like, it's hysterical because we're, we're awesome friends. And he comes up there and we're always trying to, the, the problem is getting me and him hunting at the same place. He just just texted me and said, Hey dude, come to Wisconsin on this week. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be in Missouri that week. It's it's, we don't get to hunt together that much, but, uh, and when they open Canada back up, we'll be spring bear hunting together for sure. That's, that's one time that we always did used to hunt together, but, um, we just need those borders open. Trudeau. Yeah, don't even get me started up Justin Trudeau. <laughs> so, uh, where do you guys usually hunt up in Canada all over? Or is there a specific uh, province yeah, you hit up we- most? I, I probably definitely mostly New Brunswick, a uh, friend of mine. He doesn't even have like an outfitter name. His name's Gerald Miller. He's technically and legally an outfitter, but we booked the whole camp. I call him and go, how many tags do you have? He says, I got 18. I go, okay, well, we're going to show up with 18 people. Um, and it's, uh, you know, New Brunswick definitely doesn't have the biggest bears. There's not, you know, I've, I've shot a booner up there two years ago. It's not like they don't have big bears, but, um, you know, but it's, I drive there, right? Five hours, I'm at his place in Miramichi. Just can't beat that. You know, if I want to go to BC, I got to get on a plane. 
<laughs> so it's definitely easy for me just to pop across the border um, to go bear hunting or whitetail hunting or whatever. Um, but, you know, be, you guys actually have, which I got to get up there. You guys can actually do some things. Hopefully you can continue to do some things that um, like I got I, I got some video of a guy up in B.C. like calling bears. That's super hard. People think that that's like calling coyotes. It's not. Bears are way smarter. They think, you know, they they recognize things. But man, you guys can actually get that done up there. You know what yeah. I mean? That you can't in a lot of other places. Yeah. Well, we're one of the only, one of the few provinces that uh, you're not allowed to use bait to hunt bears. So you got to be innovative. It's uh, it's pretty tricky calling them in, but you can definitely do it. Once you figure yeah. it out, it's funny too. Once you figure it out, it's it's not that hard. It's just one of those things that takes a long time to figure out. Absolutely. And that's a perfect example. You know, the um, you know, I tell, oh, he's a bear expert. I'm not a bear expert. I'm just a TV show guy that came up with a great name. But one thing I am is smart enough to hang out with the best bear guys, right? The smartest bear guys. That's what I really do, right? And I don't ever hide it, right? If I go into bear dens, I'm with Randy Cross, probably the authority in the world. I guarantee that your bio, bear biologist up there knows who Randy Cross is, right? I go with Randy Cross. He's forgotten more about bears than I'll ever know. Um, and and I, don't, I don't hide that fact. If I go to BC to go bear hunting, I'm going to find the best bear guy I can that says, yeah, calling bears is tough back in the day, but I can do it now. That's the guy I want to be with, right? Like, I'm not going to go up there and pretend like I'm some kind of expert bear caller. Like, see it not happening we don't even have a spring season and that's that's really the best time to call bears right is during the, yeah. i mean i have the education about calling bears but to actually do it i would just i'd be sitting there making weird noises in the woods for five days and i'd go home empty-handed i i know better yeah spring bear hunting that's where it's at i, I don't even hunt bear in the fall there's just too much other critters to chase so um yeah yeah i agree thousand percent and uh when did you start hunting bears um, right when I started, I guess what intrigued me even today still intrigues me today. Um, uh, cause I love hunting whitetail with the best of them. I, you know, all of that stuff. Um, but what intrigued me was, is watching them think and process information. I mean, I'm not saying a whitetail isn't slick and I'm not saying a whitetail doesn't think, but a bear actually thinks and it still amazes me today. It makes decisions right? Of whether to run, whether to come in and eat a donut, whether to, it, it, it sits back and watches hunters in a tree. It does all of these things. Now, whitetail are also smart. If they know a hunter's in a tree, it's just gone, right? But a bear actually weighs out things like, oh man, maybe they got Krispy Kreme donuts this week. And I love the blueberry. It might be worth it. That guy don't even look like he can shoot. I swear they think that stuff. Um, they obviously don't, but I'm just saying that. It still amazes me to watch them and watch them process information and make decisions. I think most other animals run off of pure instinct, which keeps them safe. I'm not saying, but what just amazes me is how bears think. And I still, I can't ever get used to it just out there because I, I spend way more time watching and doing conservation stuff with bears than I do hunting bears, right? I typically go bear hunting twice a year. Um, maybe the rest of the stuff is, you know, trapping, you know, tranquilizing them, weighing them, see if we caught them in the spring and then trap them in the fall. It's cool to see how much, you know, weight they gain. 
um, just the information about bears. And then, you know, again, just watching them process information, seeing where they go, where they den from year to year to year to year, how far of a range do they, I mean, just that information is just way more interesting and cool um, than just constantly, you know, you know, hunting bears is awesome, but it, it definitely can get old, you know, especially like over bait in a very high populated area. It's like, I used to tell when I used to guide, I used to tell my hunters, I'm like, dude, don't sit there and stress. I swear they can feel it. If you sit in a tree, I hate to talk about my bear juju, but I swear they can feel it. Um, and I said, there's donuts down there. They're coming. You just got to not make a mistake. Don't stress. But they've been coming to eat those donuts every single afternoon. They're showing up tonight. Unless you turn and look at every squirrel that comes by, they'll show up. Relax. So, yeah. They're pretty neat critters, man. What blows me away is their smell. Their sense of smell is, is just amazing. Insane. Can't beat it. You can show up with scent lock and just your eyeballs peeking out. It will do no good when it comes to a bear, man. They, yeah. If they're there, I, I used to tell my hunters, they always just come back and go, dude, you were so right. A bear will almost always lock eyes with you, whether you shoot it or not. If you shoot it, he'll, it, he will look into your soul before he comes in. But he's just, he knows you're there. He can smell you. He's just making the decision to come in. And that's where, you know, getting a little bit lucky comes in, comes in handy. And I think yeah. that's why places like Alberta, uh, when they, they have such a high success rate for, you know, monster five and 600 pound bears is because they let so many bears walk their entire life that the, the bear can lock eyes and still walk in and go, that guy don't shoot. You know, it, he hasn't been shooting for 15 years. You know, that's just going to be a bad day for that bear. But I think that's why they can, they can harvest such bigger bears than we can in Maine. You know what I mean? Because they've let bears walk for so long that, you know, that bear is, they're afraid, but they're, they're making the decision it's worth it because for the past 15 years. Yeah, they haven't been shot at, so. They haven't been shot at and the dude's still up in that tree, you know, yeah. so I, I, I'm pretty convinced that's why they, they can get away with that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, it's, uh, I, I find too, it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta take the smell away from it. If you, if you're not playing the wind, then, then you're screwed. Oh, yeah. 100%. We hunt Alaska in the spring every year. And I mean, you're seeing bears that have never seen a human being. I am telling you, these animals are born with the fear of whatever we smell like. They, they are rarely curious when we're encountering it. And you can almost always tell that they've never seen a human being. You know, we're 125 miles offshore, hanging out with the deadliest catch guys going into shore to hunt bears. A lot of these bears have never seen a human being. But if the wind is at your back, you are wasting your time completely, 100% of the time. They are gone um, from hundreds of yards away, especially out there, kind of like BC, where you can actually, um, in a lot of spots, see a bear at a half a mile or a mile. Um, you know, if that, if that boat gets too close because we take a skiff to shore and the wind is wrong, they're gone. That's it. it you, can't, you can't beat that nose. And I'm sorry for people, if, if you air this actual video, like no. no you don't okay all right no, so we're, no <laughs> I was it's gonna say, I'm, it's, I'm, I'm looking at you on a tv screen i don't want people to think i'm shifty looking over <laughs> no it's audio only buddy oh, okay cool 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 um man i i've uh i've got winded from a bear that was probably about 700 yards away no shit really yeah 
the thermals were going downhill. So yeah. when the air was cooling down and he was he was below me a little bit on the other side of the other side of the valley. Sure enough, you can see him put his his nose in the air, do a couple waves back and forth, and then he was gone. That's unreal, man. I mean, they're they're nuts. Nuts. I mean, how good the nose is. I mean, it's eight times the power of a bloodhound. Yeah. I mean, that's just crazy. And I every time you go bear hunting, especially like in your situation, how are you going to do it? Right. Like you got to be wondering, cause you know, even if, like you said, you see a bear at 700, what's the odds the wind stays in your face, the entire trip to him. Cause yeah. that entire trip at 600 yards, he's still, he's still going to leave 500 yards. He's still going to leave where a whitetail or a mule deer, they definitely can leave, but not with the urgency and the, I am definitely leaving. Yeah, that a bear is going to give you like he's out. Once, once you're busted from a bear, he's gone. That's it. It's over. Right. That's Game it. Over. Game over. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I found a pretty productive way. Still hunt there, uh, creeping through the bush with my bow, and then once you once you uh, once you get close enough to him, if you can lay the right predator call on you, even if they smell you for some reason, they just come running in. Something oh, about dude, it. that would be so awesome. That's so cool. So I haven't got to experience that yet, man. That's just, you know, if I'm, if I'm within range, I'm, I'm pretty much like, I'm just going to sit here and hope he walks my way. I don't have, but again, you know, that's, that's like, you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? I do not, I, I, you know, I'm not that guy on TV. That's going to pretend like, um, you know, I made that happen. Like, again, I'm just smart enough not to try to make that happen. That would be ridiculous. (laughs) I would just scare him off every time. If I get that close, man, I am just going to wait it out and hope they get close enough. Calling them in. That that would be some epic television, though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's uh, You got to take it with a grain of salt because it, uh, it fails a lot more times than it works. Yeah, has to be. And that's what people at home never see, too, right? I mean, it's like the constant. They get to see the glory. They never get to see, like, the pain of like a legit difficult like let's say alaska hunt it's legitimately difficult but chances are all they're ever going to see is us having fun on a boat and then maybe a couple failed stocks and then me doing the stock that ends up working they didn't see the 30 that that didn't work the the 20 that the bear busted us before we got off the skiff at a half a mile you know just again like you said nose goes up and he's like that ain't good and he's gone. I mean, running, gone. Um, so, yeah, they, they they definitely make it look a lot easier than it actually is on TV. That's for sure. Because, I mean, you, you got to even with a GoPro, how many attempts would it take, you know, to just go out and film that one purpose? You know, and then if you got a cameraman, your odds get cut in half. Yeah. Now you got double the scent, double the movement, double the double the problems. And with a bear, that's the last thing you want is double the problem. Did you ever do any uh, brown bear hunting up in Alaska? I have not, bro. And I'll tell you why. I like to keep it real. Dude, I cannot afford that. Are you like, my car <laughs> didn't cost that much money. Like, <laughs> there's some, there's some, I, and I'm going to say cheap brown bear hunts. So when I say cheap, I mean seven to $9,000 cheap. Um, still, man, like, uh, no. I just can't do it. I mean, I love it. Number one, I love black bears and I know, you know, brown bears and grizzly bears and all that stuff. But I I think if I ever do it, it'll probably like be in Russia 
we were actually talking about doing it before the COVID hit. I had like six guys that were all like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. It's just, uh, it's like a black bear hunt. It's like 3,500 bucks. Um, oh, is that right? Yeah. It's obviously the, the, the airplane ticket to Russia is a lot more money. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, we were figuring out, it's like, we could be out of there, you know, go hunt and come back for $5,000. Um, which that's about what we spend doing the Alaska hunt. So I'm like, I'd absolutely be willing to skip Alaska and go do a, a brown bear hunt in Russia. That would be awesome. So, yeah, I'd love to hunt brown bear. We, I always put in for the grizzly bear, the LEH. I never got one. The damn government shut it down because the, uh, all bear hunting is trophy hunting according to them. So, uh, man, man. And I gotta say that you guys probably have it worse than we have it. Like they come to Maine every four years and, they first start negotiations, make trapping illegal, and we will and we'll go home and we'll let you bait them and we'll let you, you know, da 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 da. We always turn them down on everything. And so they end up getting bills proposed, you know, put through the the Senate here in Maine. And but we've defeated them every single time, right? We've been lucky enough that we have enough uh we have enough uh I want to say conservatives, but that's not really it. Um, so much as, you know, conservationists that understand what hunting does and, you know, not just the money portion of it, of selling, uh, hunting licenses, so on and so forth, but, you know, what hunting does in conservation. And again, when you, you know, talk to guys like Randy Cross, that's just a bear biologist. That's what he does for a living. He doesn't even want to think about what would happen if they outlawed hunting, if they took one part of our bear hunt away. Um, it would just be a nightmare in, in conservation period. It, it might take a few years, but it's going to happen. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if, if it's going to go anywhere. I'm hoping it doesn't, but, uh, I, they were trying to shut the black bear hunt down in California recently, I believe, weren't they? Yes. Yep. Yep. And Absolutely. All the, all the hunters band together and they got that, uh, stopped pretty damn quickly. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I think the only states, you know, states that the hunters don't have a say is the states that usually like New Jersey, perfect. You know, they'll outlaw it. And then all of a sudden, you know, bears are walking down Main Street in Newark, New, New Jersey with a million person population. Then they go, oh, we need to have that bear hunt again. Then they'll reinstate bear hunting. You know, they're just they're just hitting it with a gavel, you know outlawing it and making it legal and outlawing it and making it legal. Um, I think it's pretty much been in effect. Thank you, New Jersey, um, where they're, you know, they have specific laws. I think they get a good management system um, to keep the population under control. So again, they don't turn into big rats with short tails. Um, and uh, the hunting season has been going on for quite a little while now. So, um, but yeah, I hate it when they, when we're not allowed to participate, and whether hunting and, and even biologists, they're not even taking their opinion. It's just pure politics. Yeah, that, that, um, that's exactly what we have going up here. It's all politics. So, I mean, if a politician gets elected and he doesn't like hunting, we could be screwed right there. I mean, that that happened with our last government, the NDP. Um, they used it as political gain. They said, OK, well, if, if we get elected, we're going to shut down the so-called trophy hunting in British Columbia. Yeah. And right away, the black bear hunt or I mean, the grizzly bear hunt gets shut down. 
So, and I mean, like that affects a lot of guides, you know, a lot of communities got affected by that and it gained a lot of popular votes down in the Vancouver area, which is, you know, 90% of our population lives down there. So it's easy to please them down there by shutting it down. But the rest of the province, the people who actually enjoy hunting and they need hunting for food and, and sustainability, it's, yeah, they're screwed. And it's unbelievable. And I think the funny part is, let's take the people out of it. What worst thing can you do for an animal that we love, right? They, they think a big, scary creature, but an animal that we love. What worst thing can you do to that animal is to make decisions on its life and well-being through politics rather than through biology and, and conservation. But there's nothing worse you can do. Because decisions are being made that are not good for the animal, right? Take us out of it. You know, they're just, they're, they're, that's their political belief. So that's what they're going to do. That's craziness. It's pretty frustrating being a hunter and and somebody who loves to black bear hunt and somebody who loves to eat black bear meat. It's, uh, it blows me away with the, the, the thinking of these people. I don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're talking about conservation. I know you do a lot of conservation work for black bears with black bears. Can you tell me a bit about that? Um, yeah, basically I, I more or less go with, uh, biologists and bear crew guys and, and people, um, that really do the conservation, right? I just get to go there, uh, hang out with them, educate myself. Uh, there has never been a time where I haven't either gone trapping um, not trapping to kill. We, you know, we trap them, tranquilize them, put GPS collars on them or, or tattoo the inside of their lips or, you know, whatever the case is. But, um, you know, I go almost just for, for education. You know, they're not going to let me handle a tranquilizer dart or anything like that, but I wish they would. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and, and the other thing is, is the one thing that I have is, um television so when they're trying to make something illegal or when they're trying to um uh you know ban bear hunting ban baiting ban ban trapping ban this that and the other thing um i have this humongous forum that i can get people on um you know the governor of the state of maine come right here we're standing right here where i'm at um uh, you know i got to interview him for national tv and you know, have him explain why, you know, having the bear hunt be bad would be a bad thing for bears and for the main people. Um, and, uh, so, you know, that's pretty much my form. I mean, I'm, I'm always just trying to educate myself. I, I would love to be the smartest bear guy. I never will, but I would love to be the smartest bear guy. I would still, you know, everything Randy Cross is now retired, which is super sad. Um, but you know, there's never been a time where I didn't learn 50 new things every time I went out with these guys. You know what I mean? And I get to teach them stuff too at the end of the day, right? I mean, we all have our, th- you know, if I, if I, you know, God willing, I could come up and hunt with you and we could try to, you know, call bears and stock bears for a week or something like that. Um, you know, I'm just going to learn. I'm just, yes, sir. No, sir. You know, this is your world. I'm just living in it. Um, but I'm going to leave 10 times better than when I showed up. You know what I mean? Um, and that's, that's constantly what I'm trying to do. The conservation efforts, um, there's nothing cooler than that. There's nothing cooler than being able to go out and help to, you know, go ankle deep into a bear den and pull cubs out and weigh them and get to know them, name them, 
you know, and it's kind of funny, you know, you, you have this female uh, cub that you put a collar on, well, you don't put a collar on them the first year because the mortality rates actually pretty bad. You know what I mean? There's a chance that, that really good chance that cub won't live, you know, through the winter. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, most do, don't get me wrong, but you'd waste a whole bunch of GPS collars. Um, so the second year we go back, we'll GPS collar them. And it's kind of cool to be able to go back six, seven, eight years. And that's a full grown sow that's had, you know, four litters of its own cubs, you know, and you got some of those cubs that, you know, the, the Randy, he had a sow. He was, he put a collar on it when it was two years old and it was 28 years old this year. And you imagine the relationship he has with this sow. Believe me, she doesn't know. She just knows that pole comes in every year and sticks her and she gets to go to bed for a little while. But, you know, I don't know how, you know, how cool that is. And, you know, every bear's got a name and um, it's just so awesome learning the different kinds of ways that they den. You know, people don't know that. Um, you know, they take pine boughs in the middle of a field and make themselves a bed and stay in a wide open the whole winter. Really? Um, you know, yeah, bedding right in the wide open. There's a chance wow. you can be snowshoeing and come up on a sow with cubs with, with, you know, they'll typically find a tree to be under, but uh, it's called the ground nest. And it's almost exactly that, like a bird's nest giant that they're staying in. Um, you know, most of them are in old beaver dens and, you know, up you know, rooted trees, but yeah, most of so the stuff, you know, and the stuff you learn that you've never seen before is just amazing to see, you know, just amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, Hey, there's a place down in the States that, uh, has big, big black bears, huge black bears, and they don't hibernate all year. Do they? Where's that? Um, that's, that starts getting tricky. <laughs> this is what will get me hate mail. I heard your podcast. Um, but the fact is all bears hibernate, right? Okay. Just to what level do they hibernate? So most people, I, you know, let's say completely uneducated, which I used to be. So I'm not, I'm just saying you don't know. Bears don't go into a cave and fall asleep for three months, right? They're, they're, they're awake, right? They're not sleeping. They're awake. They're just not moving. They're conserving energy. And believe it or not, sitting there building muscle while they do nothing. That's a whole nother conversation. Only animal in the forest that does that. Um, so they're sitting there um, and they're, you know, when you come up on a bear den, there's nothing asleep. You know what I mean? They're, they're fully awake. They're fully aware of what's going on. They're so you're going there. into these bear dens and the mama is sitting in there. And she's coherent. She knows you're there. Oh, a thousand percent. Completely coherent. There's times we've gotten to a bear den and all we see is a black streak going through the woods in the snow. I oh, mean, no kidding. They're not... up and out. Wow. Oh, yeah. We're, tr we're trying to get downwind. We're trying to get, you know, same thing as when you're hunting. Because if, if the wind's at your back, because you don't really have a choice when you're coming in on a GPS collared bear. But if the wind's at your back, we're fully aware that at three, four, 500 yards, chances are when we park the snowmobiles, they already know we're here, right? Whether they hear us or not, they can now smell us. So, you know, that sow is building anxiety. Um, if that sow doesn't have cubs, there's a really good chance that that GPS coordinator thing that we have just sees that bear getting further and further, and that bear will go find another den 
so yeah, they're fully awake. Um, they, they, you know, most of the sows we encounter are, they're not going to leave their cubs, right? And that's why we're there. We're there with sows with either first year cubs that they just had or second year cubs. So they stay in the dens with them for two years, you know, 99% of the time, or they have second year cubs. And what's funny is, is the second year cubs, they're probably the most dangerous thing you got to deal with because you can jab the sow and put her to sleep with a jab pole. Um, but she may have three. I call them second year cubs, but I guess yearlings with her that are anywhere from 40 to 80 pounds that are cowering behind the sow. Now you're going in with hand syringes. And if you get what what, what Randy Cross calls is the El Diablo um, bear, I'll tell you what, a 50 pound bear that ain't having it will tear you up, plain and simple. Tear you up. National Geographic was down here when actually a bear, a bear muckled onto Randy's arm and just wouldn't let go, biting it, tore it to shreds. Um, yeah, I mean, even the first, you know, even the eight pound, 13 pound cubs, well, if they're, if they're nasty, they'll tear you up. If you look at the very first season of the Bear Whisperer, um, 2008 or 2009, we, we had three El Diablo, eight, eight, nine pound cubs that would just rip you up. Rip you up if you got if your arm came anywhere near them, tear you up like little Tasmanian devils coming at you. That being said, super rare. Most sows, even when you go in, they just cower. They put their head into their belly and you jab them, you put them to sleep. Um, same thing with the cubs, and you pull them out. The the first year cubs, obviously, you don't you don't you know you don't tranquilize them in any way, shape, or form. Um, but yeah, they're they're fully fully aware, fully awake. They're not anymore. They definitely go into a state of almost lethargic, you know, like they're hanging out. So a bear in Florida is doing the exact same thing. Um, maybe we'll travel more during hibernation, right? Go from this den and go, you know, they don't need food. They don't need, you know, and, and they're not going to go into the dens maybe until the end of November or even December where our bears are typically beginning of October, they're starting to den. Um, so, but there's always a hibernation process for all these bears one way or another. Now, people on the outside are going, oh, I saw a bear walking around in January. They're not hibernating. That's not true. You just saw a bear walking around in January. And that could have been hibernating, right? Because they're, they're, they don't go to sleep, right? They sit there they tend they tend with their cubs they now if you have the males they're definitely a lot more likely to move around you know if something's uncomfortable and something you know all of the males that we've come across almost always are in an awesome den like Taj Mahal because they're not taking care of anybody but themselves you know what I mean so they got time to go find an awesome place to den that's going to be warm and stuff like that kind of like your place on cribs there yeah, exactly. It's like, right. It's like me going to Jeff's house while he's in Florida. <laughs> like, yeah, he doesn't know I'm here with my pool with his pool, and yeah. Well, so what kind of uh, what kind of test are you doing on these bears? Are we checking their weight, testing. Do you test uh, blood or look at their teeth? Uh, pretty much, we're, we're we're not we're not taking blood samples or anything like that unless there's a reason to, which I've never been a part of. Um, but definitely check the teeth. Um, you know, the biggest thing is to the probably some of the biggest information that we get is weight and where, where these bears have gone and where they've landed and where, so they're tracking them every single day. So where are they traveling? How far do they travel? Um, 
And then, um, but the, you know, they're pulling hairs out They're again, checking the teeth, how thick the hair is. The, the littlest, almost basic things is really all they're really doing. Um, you know, and one of the biggest important things is to replace that GPS collar. One comfort for the bear, right? Because they're going to grow, especially those first five years are growing like crazy. Um, you know, replacing that GPS collar is like a huge thing. But, you know, the hair density, the, I'm trying to think the weight. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I wish I had. I would have like watched one of my videos. Um, the weight, the hair density, the teeth, um, you know, and, and they're doing like biology stuff like the eyes, you know, the colors of the whites of their eyes and, you know, all of that, like technical college educated stuff that I don't know anything about. But the whole process, how big it is, how long it is, you know, from the tip of his tail to, you know, the base uh, to the tip of his nose to the base of his tail, um, its girth, um, you know, all of that good stuff. I mean, pretty basic stuff, almost the same thing a hunter wants to know you know, af after it's harvested. Um, but, you know, not so much on the biology side of things, you know, like the whites of its eyes and the, and the pretty basic stuff. You'd be amazed at how basic the process is, but um, it really does give a good indication of how it fared during the year, how it fared during the fall. Um, and you wouldn't believe how many of these sows that we trap in the fall. So, we see this sow was 123 pounds and we pulled her out of the den and we trapped her at 190. Wow. You know, knowing how much weight's gained during that, you know, that little bit of period. I think people would be blown away when they, you know, when an outfitter elects not to weigh spring bears, rightfully so, because it is amazing that a 325 pound spring bear, um, can be 600 pounds in the fall you know it can be that drastic yeah. you know so you know when you kill a spring bear that weighs 300 pounds you did something huge yeah. you know if someone goes how much does it what did it weigh it's like you shouldn't even give that information how long was it you know i i killed a spring bear that was in new brunswick that went from a couple of years ago from the tip of its nose to the base of its tail seven feet one inch wow and probably weighed 350 you know, not impressive if you just give the weight. It's impressive. To me, it's impressive. Someone tells me they shot a 350-pound bear. That's impressive. But what that bear would have been in the fall is off the charts. Yeah. You know, 600 plus, I would guess, at that kind of length. You know, if he girthed out, it would just be crazy. Yeah, crazy. It's amazing how much they fill out through the year. and Just oh, what they yeah. need to sustain themselves through the winter. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, man. Uh, I think I'm going to let you go here pretty quick. You got, uh, you got any bear stories you can share with us before we go? Um, probably nothing that no one hasn't watched on TV. If they're listening or I shared this, they're going, Oh yeah, I've, I watched that on TV. I can tell you about the, the six times that I've actually been, you know, physically assaulted by a bear. Um, you know, and, and thank goodness four of those times happened on film. Um, so it's not just a story. The other times did not happen on film. I will give, this piece of information, which most people don't know about a bear. How's that? We'll, that sounds good we'll to me, get, man. We'll do a conservation. So a bear, when it's hibernating, will stay three, sometimes four months in one spot, right? It shifts, it moves, it, it, it moves around the den. Um, it takes care of its cubs. But check this out. A bear is the only animal 
end the forest because it does not go pee or poop. There's good biology words for that. Defecate. And it doesn't do those things. Right. Um, it's got what's called the plug. Um, what it does do is it takes its own urine that it would normally pee in the woods during the summertime, converts the urine into muscle and grows muscle while it lays there and does nothing. No shit. The only, the only animal in the world that can do that. That's so we can amazing. lay there and that is amazing. I learned that just like two years ago. And I, I wasn't, I couldn't go on this one week venture with the main bear crew. And Twyla comes back with this, all of this footage. And I'm listening to the biologist talk. And I, and I went, what did he just say? And I rewound it and I go, that's not true. The, I'm like, were they drinking? Like, you can't take urine and turn it into muscle. It doesn't work that way. Sure enough, it is a fact. Like, it, that's the most amazing piece of information. I hate giving it to all of your people because, you know, it's the thing I can always tell in hunting camp that people go, no. But I want the world to know it. I mean, it's, a, it, it's, it's an amazing thing that, that that one animal can do that and no other animal can. Yeah, that's pretty neat, man. I never knew that. Yeah. That's way cooler than a bear hunting story. Just saying. Yeah. No Just doubt. <laughs> that's that's a that's pretty cool. Okay, man. Uh, I'm gonna let you go, but uh, thanks for stopping by today and uh, taking a bit of time to. Uh... Hey, actually, before we go, I'm gonna ask you something. What's with you not liking turkey hunt? Oh, I <laughs> I don't even have a reason, right? So, <laughs> like, I I wouldn't want to. Like personally, I got nothing against it. I personally wouldn't want to trap a bear and then walk up and shoot it. Right. I've been with piles of bear trap bears. We just tranquilize it and let it go. Um, but I wouldn't want to shoot it. I don't hate the guy that doesn't. I just don't want to do it, man. Like, I think it's because they live in my backyard and they eat in my feeder. And I don't find it like every time I kill one, I go, well, that was awesome. It's just not challenging enough. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. It's just not, I'm just not a bird guy. I don't hunt ducks either. Um, I appreciate the challenge and the constant excitement of hunt, hunting ducks. Um, it's just not my thing. I don't know, man. I, I get lots of hate about me hating on turkey hunting. But what they don't get is I don't, I'm not hating on turkey hunting because I will go every single day, but I, I'll be a cameraman. I just got no, no reason to want to, I, I bet you it's snowing. It's snowing. I bet you I could shoot a turkey out my window right now. It's in my feeder. <laughs> I've, I've, shot a handful of birds and it's never been that easy it's usually uh i find turkey hunting like golf you just uh love to hate it yeah you just come on down when they open the borders bro just come into my and i'll be like you can just sit on my back porch we can eat waffles drink coffee and just shoot one right there boom best kind of hunting ever sounds like a deal <laughs> we'll, we'll swap we'll swap a hunt you come up and uh we'll we'll uh still hunt black bears and call them in with her uh with her bows and i'll come down for a turkey hunt I won't feel like that's fair, but I'm in. Okay, man. It's like trading a Lamborghini for a Yugo. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay, man. I'm going to let you go. Bye, brother. Talk I appreciate it. Okay, Thanks, bye. man. Bye-bye. Do you believe that? Wow. I guess it's all worth it. Yeah.